Hello and welcome to the Vorthos Cast. I'd like to thank everyone who supports us on our Patreon and makes this show possible. If you would like to support us, you can visit patreon.com slash levorthoscast. I'm Jay and Ellie, and my pre-release weekend involved me taking my son to fly a kite for the first time. That's very wholesome. I'm Andrew Weissel, and my pre-release weekend involved a top 8 5-1-1 record performance where I crushed pretty much everybody with my Selesnia deck. I'm Brian Dawes, and I made a 5-color deck, and I liked it. I should have sang that. Oh well. I'm Ashley Barrow, and I didn't get to do the pre-release because I had to do homework. Womp womp. You know, if Andrew keeps getting better at magic, we're going to have to kick him off the cast. Like, you can't actually be good at magic cards and be a Vorthos at the same time. About that. I disagree. (laughs) I'm just kidding. On the news front, this past week, we got to see the cover of the Chandra comic number two. It has an image of Chandra surrounded by what looks like stylized jewelry with little portraits of various characters who are important to our life, friend and foe. We still have no idea what this is going to be about or how it's going to avoid spoiling the Ravnica story, but we'll see starting next month. So this week, we are going to dive straight into Guilds of Guilds of Ravnica Part 2. We covered Selesnia and Izzet last week, so if you want to know more about them, go ahead and check out our cast. All the guilds used to be armies or factions in this great conflict before the guild pact was signed. The parents are the leaders of the guilds who signed that guild pact. And so today we're going to talk about the guilds that were formed that are now known as the Golgari Swarm, House Demir, and the Boros Legion. So today we're going to start with the Golgari Swarm. The founder of the Golgari Swarm was a man named Svagthir. Svagthir was a necromancer turned lich lord who ruled the Golgari for 9,000 years until he was deposed by the Sisters of Stone Death. The sisters beheaded the god zombie, as he had come to be known, and kept his head below the former guild hall of Svagthos, the restless tomb, so that they could draw off his power. The reasons the Gorgon sisters had deposed Svagthos is because he vastly preferred the humans and elves of the Golgari and completely ignored all of the other races, which are collectively known as the Teratogens, all the less humanoid races belonging to the Golgari. The sisters themselves were deposed around 60 years ago by Savra, who was the Matka of the Devkaran elves belonging to the Golgari. The Matka is a priestess or spiritual leader of the Devkaran elves, and she deposed the sisters because the sisters had turned things around so completely that the humans and elves felt oppressed. So she recovered Svagthos's head, deposed the sisters. She was, in the end, killed by Zadok, who had tricked her into believing she was part of one of his plots and not just a pawn. She was succeeded by her brother Gerard, who died saving his son from a crazed cultist, Lysolda the Bloodwitch. And Gerard resurrected himself as a Lich Lord as well. Gerard had turned things around so that it was once again the Teratogens were the underclass of the Golgari, until finally Vraska, in just recent stories, 
had Gerard delivered to her by Bolas to be at her whim. And things don't look good for Gerard. We don't know for sure. He's been killed the second time, redeaded, but uh, it, it doesn't look good for him. Rip, best dad. The good news is, if he is redead, he'll give much better hugs now. Oh. <laughs> Zelda jokes. I love them. So their current guild hall, after Svagthos was destroyed, has moved to Krozda, which is basically just another place in the Undercity. The Golgari control the whole Undercity. It's basically the Underdark of Ravnica, if you know your D&D. It is a place that is in perpetual darkness, ruled by dark creatures, primarily the Golgari, but the Rakdos have a presence down there too, as do the Orzhov, but the Orzhov locations are much nicer looking. Their role in Ravnikan society is recycling and reclamation, basically. They take care of all the body disposal, and coincidentally, also feeding the needy. I'm sure there's no connection there. So I've already talked a little bit about their history of revolution, but this coup by Vraska is really nothing new in their history. It has gotten more and more frequent that they've had regime changes over the years. If you don't study history, you're doomed to repeat it, everybody. The Devkarin are essentially the Dark Elves of Ravnica, as opposed to the Silhana Elves, which are the ones you'll see on the surface. We don't know too much yet about how Vraska is intending to rule the Golgari, but back during Gerard's time, he had what he called the Cilia, which is a cute name, which was essentially a group of his favored people that functioned as a parliament and as his spies. Their undead legion collectively was known as the Lotleth, which were their undead irregulars. However, more recently, Vraska has unearthed the erstwhile from the story Pride of the Crawl, and she's used that to kind of back her regime change. Just because she killed Gerard didn't mean everyone was going to fall in line. Killing Gerard and showing up with an army equal to anything the Golgari already had, that might change some people's minds about deciding that they should be in charge instead. Not just an army, but an army of super scary, awesome bug people. Yes, also the Crawl. There's some cool locations in the Undercity that are worth noting. There's the Stone Fair, which is this undercity tunnel system that is lined with statues that are Gorgon victims. There's the Dead Bridge, which is this massive sinkhole used as a body repository by the Golgari. There are lots of places called Rot Farms, which are these reclamation zones where they strip derelict areas of resources and grow their fungus and whatever else they use for food. And they typically travel a lot by the sewerways of Ravnica, because they have this whole essentially underground river system that allows them to pop up wherever on the plane. Like the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Man, if they had a hominid turtle type, that would be really awesome. They don't have turtle people, but they do have a lot of other various species in their guild. The first obvious one that we've talked about are elves. The Divkarin, like Jay said, are kind of the dark elves of Ravnica. They never grew out of their goth phase and spend their time <laughs> lurking in the shadows, doing things like growing fungus and raising the dead. And they're kind of one of the main factions in the guild, having been loyal to Svagthir and then Savra and then Gerard. But 
the other side of the guild has largely been run by the Gorgons, who were said to have been extinct, although we know now that some have survived, including Vraska, who is a planeswalker. They've been largely discriminated against as violent killing machines, and Vraska has gone way out of her way to fight that kind of stigma and stand up for the rights of the kind of grosser sapient species in the guild, which includes the Krall, which are these gigantic bug people. They're kind of mantis-y. They're not a direct insect analog to an existing kind of bug. The Krall are all about death, but for the Golgari, being all about death also means being all about life. They are recyclers. They understand that in order to grow and thrive, other things must die. So the crawl are really good at the getting stuff to die part and using that as a catalyst for new life. They've been kind of stuck in the Undercity doing gross work for a while. And now that Braska is in control of the guild, the crawl have been restored to a much more elevated position among their ranks. Trolls in the Golgari aren't that much different than trolls anywhere else in the multiverse. Or on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. They are big, they are smelly, they are lumbering. Just like on Twitter. (laughs) They're very resilient and hard to stop. Just like on Twitter. (laughs) Jeez. And unlike Twitter trolls, they tend to feed on the dead a lot. (laughs) (laughs) This got off the rails. There are no confirmed cannibals that I know of on Twitter, so until until Hannibal gets an account, then. Yeah, you have to go to Tumblr for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. The last humanoid member of the Golgari are the zombies which sometimes are the traditional just raised dead, but because the Golgari so closely intertwine life and death, many of their zombies are reanimated with plants as well, growing through them. The typical Golgari zombie will have a bunch of leafy green parts that gives them a lot more meat on their bones and gives them a lot of resilience on the battlefield. So a lot of the zombies that dredge are plant zombies, and a lot of the zombies in the Golgari guild that grow with plus one plus one counters are these plant zombies as well. The Golgari are just the home of all the little creepy crawlies that live in the dark shadowy corners of Ravnica. So they have lots of insects and spiders and scorpions and beetles and gnats and centipedes, and if it skitters around in the night and has a bunch of mandibles, it's probably going to be a Golgari creature. Because they are all about life, death, and renewal, this is the obvious guilt for fungus. Some of it just growing as mats and as wall decorations in the guild locations, but a lot of fungal creatures also inhabit the guild, sometimes as zombies as well. And then finally... Although they don't control many worms on their own, again, this is the guild of dead stuff, and they have a lot of zombie worms. Worms tend to live underground in general, and when they die, 
that means they're in the Undercity already, the perfect place for the Golgari to come along and say, Hey, Worm, you can be part of our guild now. The Golgari have a number of notable characters. They were pretty major players in both Ravnica blocks. The most obvious one is the Planeswalker Vraska, who wasn't tightly bound to the Golgari before. She was an Okran assassin, just an order of assassins that we don't really know a whole lot about other than Vraska is one of them. We have Svagthos, who is the god zombie. He was already undead, became a disembodied head for a long time. Savra built a new body for him, a plant body that she used to crush his head. But when then her neck was snapped, Svagthir took over her body. That body was then crushed by Experiment Kraj. The Sisters of Stone Death we already mentioned, they were supposedly the three last Gorgons, but Vraska and other Gorgons that have shown up in the sets have proved that to be untrue, and a lot of that could just be maybe other Gorgons were in hiding. There was Savra, who I mentioned was the Matka of the Devkaran Elves. Gerard was her brother. He was a bounty hunter and a master of insects, actually, before he died. He had great control over insects. He would fly around on a giant bat. He was a pretty cool dude. He died, like I mentioned, saving his son and reanimated himself afterwards. There's Verils, who is a troll that was the maze runner of the Golgari. All we know about him is that he regenerated and he was very, very hard to kill. There's Mazarek, who is a crawl shaman who was friends with Vraska and is the one who actually uncovered the erstwhile zombie army, which is depicted in Mausoleum Secrets. And then there's Azoni, who is not someone we know very much about, but seems a lot like what Gerard would have been when Gerard was alive, because she has that same control of insects, and she's probably a master hunter for the Devkarn. This brings us on to House Demir. House Demir was a secret for the first... 9,999 years of its existence. There are a lot of jokes about how no one knows about it, but it is public knowledge now. It was founded by the psychic vampire Zadok. Zadok was arrested just before the 10,000th anniversary of the Guild Pact and was executed by the Azorius. Zadok's spirit lived on enslaved to the Azorius in the Grand Arbiter Augustine IV's bid for power, which we talked about in our abridged history of pre-mending Ravnica. Zadok's spirit then went to the overlaid Agairam, and we don't really know what happened to him after that, because Agairam split off from Ravnica proper during the mending. Lazav, a shapeshifter who has recently taken over the guild, is rumored to have communed with Zadok's spirit, but we don't know how true that is. Their guild hall is Duskmantle, which is this hidden location deep in the Undercity. We don't really know if it's even a single location or multiple locations or a mobile base. We don't really know anything about it. Maybe the real Duskmantle is the friends we assassinated along the way. The Demir's role in Ravnican society, originally they were there to strengthen the guild pact by being a force that worked against it ensuring it didn't become stagnant, or the magic didn't become stagnant, I guess. I assume that's the reason why they would plant a guild inside it that wanted to destroy it. It makes no sense. It's a dumb Azor plan because he was an idiot and is an awful jerk. Yay for old walkers! 
all of those things are true. So their role is they provide information services for the plane. They provide courier services. They also do wet works like assassinations and true spying. They also provide a giant public library for people. That's the one I think a lot of people don't realize. The giant public library is used as a communication point for all the spies and things are encoded, and it drives the Azorius and Boros insane because they can't figure out how it's being used for the Demir to advance their goals. Because to all accounts, it is just a big free public library. Their favorite thing is playing with people's memories. The current set has emphasized that a whole lot with them not truly needing to assassinate people when they can just assassinate the memories, essentially, erase the memories. They have an overt, friendly side, as I mentioned. They have the couriers, they have people who are investigators, they have reporters, and then they have a covert side, which is their mind mages, their spies, and assassins. The free public library I talked about earlier is called the Izmiri Library. They also have a high-level meeting ground atop a skyscraper, essentially, called Dinrova. They also have a meeting point called Bane Alley, which is basically Diagon Alley from Harry Potter, except for murder and extortion. So it's more like Nocturne Alley. Exactly. You go there to get your problem solved, but you forget what happened to you there. So, like, you'll walk into Bane Alley and be like, I really need to get this guy murdered. And then you'll walk out, not remembering that you went in there. But all of a sudden, the guy you needed dead is gone, and you're a, like, you know, 20 gold lighter. They also have a district called Night Vale, which is where the Demir elite live. It's patrolled by specters, but no one can seem to tie any of these people to any crimes. The Boros knows this is a district full of people from the Demir, but they can't seem to tie any of those people to the assassinations and murders that happen. The Demir also have a lot of double agents and sleeper agents in other guilds. So the double agents are people who know they're being paid off. The sleeper agents are people who have had like mental triggers implanted in them or have had their work erased from their minds. One thing that's interesting about the Demir is that a lot of the people, even if you are a good Demir agent, you're probably getting missions and other things erased from your mind on a regular basis. I want to be a sleeper agent. I'm sleepy. <laughs> it's not that kind of sleeper, Ashley. I'm sorry. Oh, that sucks. So Demir creature types are shrouded in mystery. They have lots of kind of esoteric, hard-to-read stuff. The main ones being vampires. Ravnica has three main types of vampires. There's the traditional blood-sucking kind... There are psychic vampires that feed on the memories and ideas of others. And then there's the Moroi, which are these monstrous, barely even humanoid vampires. If you check out their card from the original Ravnica City of Guilds, it almost doesn't even look like it's sapient. Most of the vampires on Ravnica are regular people. As far as interacting with the other species and humanoids of the plane. So like on Innistrad, where the vampires are kind of often secluded in their rich little mansions and feeding on people. On Ravnica, this huge multicultural plane, you just run into vampires around and a lot of them work for the Demir. They don't have a lot of whole other humanoid races and 
the next couple can vary in intelligence and emotional intent. So the first is shapeshifters, which their leader, Lazav, is one. Shapeshifters are obviously great assassins and great spies because they can turn into other people. So it's obvious that they would belong to the guild of assassins and spies. So the shapeshifters of the Demir come in a bunch of different varieties. It's not a single kind of shapeshifter. In the original block, there were this hive of worm-like creatures called Lupul, because it was one overall being that if one worm survived, they could rebuild, that were shapeshifters. Lazav is not a Lupul, and there are other kinds of shapeshifters as well who are not specifically Lupuls. So they're called Lupuls? How do you spell that? L-U-P-U-L. That's really a funny name. <laughs> when you try and say it out loud, yeah. <laughs> we know they're insect-based because Gerard actually took over them when the multi-form mass was revealed and attacked things in Ravnica in the first Ravnica book. Yeah, shapeshifters are really broad creature type. We have almost no established shapeshifter cultures in the multiverse other than Vesuva. So it's always interesting to see how they pop up on various planes and how they're going to act and function. The Demir also have a subset of undead members, both spirits and skeletons. So it's not clear how intelligent they necessarily are or whether they're just following uh, prescribed orders to do some kind of guard duty or infiltration job. But they're there, and they do roguelike activities. And as we mentioned earlier, there are specters, which are one of the freakier creature types in magic. They're basically a mirrored pair with archons, where there is a rider and a mount, but despite them being separate entities, they are part of the same creature, which is very confusing and metaphysically bizarre. Like, if this was Dungeons & Dragons, you would probably do something like, hey, I try and knock the rider off the mount and see if that just kills the whole thing, which doesn't happen in magic because magic's rule system doesn't function that way. But it's weird to think about. Would that actually kill a specter? I don't know. They're creepy, though, so you probably don't want to get close enough to try and shove a specter rider off the specter mount. They work with a lot of mental magic and are really good at destroying minds. As a guild of the shadows, lots of just bizarrely weird shadow creatures are in the guild. They all fall under the creature type Horror, which is just terrifying. They're weird. Sometimes they're worm-like. Sometimes they're just kind of big monsters. Sometimes they're like bat-bug things. If they're otherworldly and unnatural and go bump in the night, they're probably a Demir Horror, as opposed to the kind of more physically grounded and realistic bugs in the Golgari. And then finally, thanks to this set, we know there are some sphinxes and demons aligned with the Demir. Both the cards in this set are also nightmares, which is creepy, but also makes sense for the guild most focused on mind magic. And that just falls right in with the scary nighttime, I'm gonna destroy your brain and suck all your knowledge out kind of creatures. 
the long and short of it is that the Demir don't really have any species that you want to meet in a dark alley at night. Just beat it. Listen to Michael. On Ravnica, pretty much you want to beat it anytime you see someone on a dark alley, or a dark alley with no one in it, or pretty much everything on Ravnica is dangerous. Or a brightly lit alley, or like the streets, or, you know, your, your place of business. Look, it's a big city, just don't leave your apartment ever. Don't even go there! Agoraphobia could be justified on Ravnica, let's be real. Someone could break into your house, just don't live on Ravnica. So, the Demir have a number of legends for us to talk about. Zadok is the first one. He is an ancient vampire, although his actual age is unknown, but because he was one of the parents, he's at least 10,000 years old. He probably wasn't an infant when he signed the Guild Pact, so he's probably much, much older than that, and more akin to Niv-Mizzet's 15,000. In the original Ravnica, Serku, Demir Lobotomist, we know nothing about this character. He never appears in any story, so we don't know anything about Serku, even though he's probably legendary human, I think, in the guild. Yeah, because the others are all vampires or shapeshifters. Lazav is the current leader of the guild. He looks kind of like a evil old Jace with his hood pulled up. He's a shapeshifter with mind magic powers that terrifies even old, scary psychic vampires like Mirko Vosk, who was the maze runner for the Demir. Mirko was assigned to track Jace, but kept messing it up <laughs> and ended up being killed and replaced as one of the maze runners for the Demir. Then we have Etrada, who I'm sure isn't meant to be an anagram of Arata, but I just thought it was funny. We don't know anything about her yet, but she is another in the long line of vampires that work for the Demir. Moving on to the Boros Legion. The Boros were founded by the Archangel Razia, who was kind of an aloof leader. Razia was killed when she led an expedition in the Angel's skyship Parhelion into the pocket dimension of Agarim. When she died, Feather took over leadership because she was the last surviving angel of the Boros at the time. Eventually, more angels appeared, we don't know exactly how, and a more warlike angel named Aurelia ended up taking charge, believing and getting everyone else to believe that a disgraced angel like Feather, who had her wings bound and was forced to become a regular street wojek for a long time for a crime we don't know, and essentially overthrew Feather's rule and took control of the Boros from her. Their guild hall is called Sunhome. Their role on Ravnica is pretty obvious. They're the cops. They're law enforcement. They're the beat cops that protect life and property, and they establish cases against criminals and turn people over to the Azorius, who are more like the jailers and the legislators and the judiciary. A common question about Ravnica government that we see is how can both the Boros and the Azorius be cops? I remember I asked you that and you gave me a good answer. I think the easiest way to explain it is that the Azorius are like the feds. So the FBI or the CIA or Interpol, the high level big picture cops. So the Boros are more like the local cops who will do things like investigate who's been robbing the 7-Eleven. But to throw some confusion in there, in the Secretist novel, whichever one uh, Jace meets Lavinia in, she shows up because she's, I guess someone called the cops because Jace lit his house on fire, and Lavinia's the one who showed up. I mean, Jace is just kind of a normal dude. 
So that does make it kind of confusing because that seems like something they would have called the Wojex for. So that's explainable by the Interregnum, which is the period between the original Magical Guild Pact and the Living Guild Pact, in that when that happened, there was nothing actually magically binding the guilds, and each guild kind of grasped for power in different things. So the Azorius wanted to push the Boros out and take over all law enforcement for themselves, essentially. At least that's how I explain it in my head. Yep, that makes sense to me. And Lavinia's pretty gung-ho about fighting crime. They might not have called her, she might have just showed up on her own. We should also note that the Boros Legion's Wojek, their beat cops essentially, are pretty regularly decimated. They have their ranks culled pretty regularly by Rakdos uprisings or all the events that happen. And so the other guilds like Ledevs and the Azorius can sometimes fill in for that same role when they're short on Wojeks, which they have regularly been. That was a good question, though. Outside Sunhome, I want to mention they have built Parhelion 2. It's a floating angel fortress hanging out by Sunhome. Aurelia, when she took over from Feather, she reorganized the guild into four theaters of war. The Theater of Order, basically their only job is to hunt and eliminate the Rakdos. The Theater of Integrity, which focuses on the Demir and on organized crime. The Theater of Fortification, which is the theater that Tajik is in control of. It is part of the Warmind Initiative, which is a partnership with the Izzet in order to build better technology for the Boros. The Boros are one of the guilds that uses a lot more technology than some of the rest especially because they need good technology to fight crime on a plane like this. And then the last theater is the Theater of Recruitment, which is their education and conscription wing. They're more militant than they were before. They've been reorganized a little bit. There's an old article that explains all of their original rankings, which is overly complicated. The more recent Planeswalker guides explain it a little easier in that the angelic ranks are at the very top of the hierarchy, with Aurelia herself at the top. Then there are war leaders, who are the strategists or the generals, the fire mains, which are essentially the single combat angels or the commandos, the battle force angels, which are the angelic regulars. Then there are guild mages, who are the wizard clerics of the highest order. They are considered part of the angelic rank. And then under that, the hierarchy splits in two, into the wojek and the regular army. The Wojek we mentioned are the police force, their aerial branch are called the Skyjacks. The Skyjacks don't really fight crime, they're just more patrol people. So they're like traffic cops? I wouldn't call them traffic cops. They're more like state trooper helicopters. They're like hunting down from the air. They relay a lot of communication between Jacks on the ground to leadership. Like in the first Ravnica novel, when they were investigating a warehouse in the beginning, they could have reported everything to a Skyjack and gotten reinforcements. But they didn't think it was necessary, so they didn't. So it's basically one of those things where they aren't necessarily there to get involved all the time. They can, but generally they're there for communicating between different jacks on the ground. So the Skyjacks are the police scanners. So they've got like walkie-talkies and stuff. That's so cool. I'm learning so much today. They are the walkie-talkies. Yeah, they're more like the intelligence forces. So they monitor what's happening from the air and then report in. With a walkie-talkie, right? <laughs> I don't think they have walkie-talkies, no. Not yet. Actually, no, no, wait. I'm pretty sure they do. The technology does exist on the plane. The it have walkie-talkie-like technology. I'm not sure the Boros use it. 
because that was in Guild Pact. The goblins' ground control were able to communicate with the goblins and rockets. Pretty sure I remember that. So each district on Ravnica has what's called a league hall, and this is outside of Sunhome. These are essentially the police precincts. The Boros army themselves are divided into swift blades, who are basically the marines of the Boros. Their job is assault and occupation. They're the Sky Knights, who are the counterparts of the Sky Jacks. They're the air force of the Boros. The regular army can commandeer and order the Wojeks around, but the Wojeks cannot do the reverse. Kind of like the National Guard. Yeah, they can they can nationalize them. So that's a great way to put it. So Boros creature types, we already mentioned angels. They are very important to the guild. Obviously, their Paran, Rausio, was an angel, and all their guild leaders since have been angels. They are the most elite soldiers in the guild and are paragons of the righteous fury of the law, which is basically the Boros to a T. Because it's the army color, there are a number of humanoid races that make up the guild. All the way from teeny tiny goblins, who bring their fervent rage to the battlefield, to gigantic giants and minotaurs, who stomp over smaller forces and bring serious muscle to combat. There are also Vyashino, which seem kind of weird for cops, but... They are very aggressive and very violent and have a lot of natural weapons, which makes them excellent soldiers. The Vyashino that belong to the Boros are some of the best natural fighters, but then you start adding armor and combat magic, and you start to realize why the Boros Legion is such a formidable fighting force. There are also some elementals in the guild, largely flamekin, Essentially, they're fiery bodies wrapped in armor, wielding glowing weapons that charge into battle, blazing with the law, looking to stop crimes and kill criminals and lay the beats as swiftly as possible. There aren't a lot of non-sapient species in the guild because it's so focused on a regimented army and police work. They have a lot of domesticated animals, however, namely dogs and birds. Like regular police forces in the real world, there are police dogs that go along with the Wojak and help them fight crimes and, like, sniff out stuff and be <laughs> cute. They take a bite out of crime. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best boys. I just realized we desperately need an Anok Boros named McGruff. Oh, goodness. The Wojek dog. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm against that entirely. <laughs> so we mentioned the Skyjacks earlier. They tend to ride gigantic rocks, which are huge eagle-like birds. And there are some griffins in the guild as well, though they tend to be a little bit more unruly. The Boros have only a few legendary creatures to write home about. The legends they do have, they have the most consistent hit rate for the legendary creatures who actually appear in the story. Pretty much every single character that has a card for the Boros has appeared in the story. But not the other way around, because we still don't have Feather. Yeah, we'll talk about Feather in a second. Agris Koss is the first character. Agris is a Wojek veteran. <laughs> it's on his card. 
but he's like a grizzled old cop who's seen too many friends die. He's the guy who ends up arresting Zadok, and then even when he's killed, he is brought back as a spirit guard by the Azorius. We talked about this in our summary of the original Ravnica block as well, so I won't get too much into it. But he's the main character of the original Ravnica set. The important character that Ashley just mentioned that does not have a card is Feather, who was one of the main characters in the first Ravnica set, but did not have a card in any of the three sets that had Boros in them, or four sets if you include Dragon's Maze. Feather's real name was Piracor as Vinren Drav. That's how I'd say it. <laughs> She was frequently referred to as Vinren. We don't know how the actual naming goes for angels on Ravnica. She had her wings bound for some unknown reason, and we still don't know what that reason was. She appeared very, very briefly in a story for Krenko Mob Boss when Krenko broke into Sunhome in order to free Feather and steal one of her feathers. We don't know why that happened. But we did learn that Lazav, who we mentioned earlier, wanted that feather from Vinren. That story is also incredibly depressing because she's really a fun character in the original Ravnica novel. So seeing her like imprisoned is really depressing. Lots of very popular characters or main characters between one set and another frequently have very bad fates befall them. Slobad and Glissa who are the heroes of the original Mirrodin block in Scars of Mirrodin. <laughs> Slobad's killed off screen, and Glissa has become a villain. Razia was the founder of the Boros Guild. She was much more aloof than Aurelia was. Aurelia, we've already talked about a little bit. She is much more hands-on. And then we have Tajik. What I really appreciate is that he's like the most glamorous character in the entire set, because he's just so shiny, and he's got like the fur. And because Guilds of Ravnica has this, like, minor noir vibe, he's got the glam shot going on. <laughs> but that about covers it for the Boros. They don't really have any other characters. Tajik, I should mention, was imprisoned by the Orzhov after he tried to help Tesa Karlov overthrow the Obzidat, which is the Ghost Council. And we'll talk more about the Ghost Council when Ravnica Allegiance comes around. In, like, three months. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason why we can wait that long is because, I'll just move on to final thoughts, my final thoughts are, I am excited for the Guilds of Ravnica story to start October 10th. Oh, my birthday. Nice. Happy birthday. Ah, uh, you're older than me. Maybe. My final thought is, Jay needs to get off my lawn, and so the rest of you. How old are you turning, 33? No, I'm turning 31. You're turning 31? What? You're not older than me. You're like two years younger than me, dude. Ha! And you still can get off my lawn. <laughs> Ashley, last thoughts? Number one, I can't wait for the Guilds of Ravnica story to start so that it can get finished and then we can move on to the Ravnica Allegiant story. And then my other final thought is I really want to know what Feather did. I mean, that's been on my mind pretty much since I read original Ravnica, which I was not here for because <laughs> I'm like 10 years younger than all of you guys. So I'm a little behind. What should be like Feather got in trouble for like a parking ticket? She got a parking ticket. As an angel. What? She got a parking ticket for double parking the Parhelion. I mean, I bet you have to parallel park in Ravnica. There's probably not a whole bunch of parking. 
<laughs> That's like they have Wojek specifically just to go give out all the parking tickets. Hey, we did have the card gridlock in RTR. All right, Andrew, final thoughts. I don't have any. I'm too tired. I got nothing, folks. <laughs> Why don't you tell our glorious patrons and our listeners about the benefits of being a patron? We'd like to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon. You folks make this show possible and keep it going so we can keep bringing you the deep dives into Ravnica history and finally soon story summaries again and start speculating about what the hell is happening on Ravnica because we're building up to the culmination of Bolas plots and everyone wants to know what's going on. So if you want to get even more insight into the mysteries surrounding this set. If you support us on Patreon, you can get access to our exclusive Discord server, where we have Vorthoses from around the world interacting with us and each other, talking about all sorts of exciting Vorthos theories, and building a wonderful, fun community of people. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.